Support comes from Clipper Vacations, offering getaways on the Clipper Fast Ferry to Victoria, B.C. Clipper Ferry and hotel packages from $250 per person. Enjoy historic charm, afternoon tea, and more. Terms and conditions apply. Details and booking at clippervacations.com. You're listening to Soundside. I'm Libby Denkman. Where once there was 72 and then 8, now there is one. On Tuesday, five members of the Seattle City Council voted to appoint Tanya Wu to fill the citywide position 8 on the council. The seat was vacated by Teresa Mosqueda, who stepped down after winning a spot on the King County Council. Wu will serve on the council at least until a special election in November, which she has said she will be running for. It's her second day on the job, and Seattle City Council member Tanya Wu joins us now. Hi, council member. Thanks for coming on Soundside. Thank you. It's great to be here. So it struck me right off the bat that you took time to thank all of the other top seven candidates for the open council position when you were appointed yesterday. It really sounds like a group of very public service oriented folks were in the running. How do you feel today as being the one chosen to fill this seat for 2024? I feel honored. I feel very humbled um, and just excited to be able to get to work on the major issues, which is homelessness, public safety and housing. Your predecessor in position eight was Teresa Mosqueda. Um, She's known for championing progressive policies like the jumpstart tax and guaranteed sick leave for gig workers. What are your priorities in the job? How different do you think that they will be? Um, What are your top policy focuses for the year? Well, on the campaign trail, I knocked on over about 20,000 doors and hearing from most people saying that they are very concerned about the top issues, public safety, homelessness and housing. And so those are the things I will focus on going forward. I know there's a budget process that starts soon um, and anxious to get to work and learn more. So one of the things we've talked about in the past and, you know, you just brought up the budget's really on the rocks. The city is facing this two hundred and twenty nine million dollar revenue gap that starts in twenty twenty five. Mayor Harrell just issued a hiring freeze outside of police and fire and some other positions that were deemed essential um, during the interview process for the appointment. You are the only candidate of the eight finalists to say that you are not open to new progressive revenue options to fill that gap. So if we're not taxing, you know, we're talking about cuts. Um, how do you find cuts in a budget and where were those cuts potentially come from? Yeah, so I think we coming from a small business mindset where, you know, we, we have a set budget and we have to make it work with all the different factors coming in. Um, and being able to look at our city agencies and departments and really going through the process of finding areas where there may be redundancies or trying to come up with measurements of success so that we are results-based. Um, before we actually go into progressive revenue, I'm not opposed to it. I just would like to go through that exercise before moving on to different options. Okay, so you are open to the potential for exploring progressive revenue. Um, that was you know, something that came up during the interview process, but, but you say you actually are open to that. Yes, I am. I am open to that. And I believe that um, having to impose additional taxes should be a last resort. Got it. On the subject of revenue, Teresa Mosqueda has said that her biggest fear as she was leaving the city council to join the King County Council was to see the jumpstart tax dismantled somehow, either Amazon's goal of having it repealed or the council and the mayor raiding the jumpstart funds for other priorities. This tax was passed to fund affordable housing, support small businesses and fund Green New Deal priorities. 
Some of it has been used uh, to bridge some general fund issues um, during COVID. What is the future of the jumpstart tax in your mind? It seems like a really big opportunity for the city if they did want it, if you did want to expand it to find new revenue there. At the same time, Amazon and other businesses have been really critical of it as being a something that doesn't create a great business environment for the city. What's the future of the jumpstart tax from where you sit? From, from my perspective, um, I, I believe we do need jumpstart, um, but I would like to see the funds actually go to where it, they are intended, um, especially for, for housing and for other initiatives that are within its designation. Um, I know a lot of the tax goes towards the general fund, and I would really like to see where that money is going to and make sure it's allocated according to the theme and the general purpose. Yesterday, Council President Sarah Nelson referenced some divisiveness that emerged during the lobbying process for your appointment. For those who didn't follow, there was some upset over this email that leaked to Publicola. It was from a business consultant named Tim Cease, who is a mover and shaker in city politics. He was encouraging his network of political donors to back your bid for counsel. You know, this kind of thing happens in politics, but when you see it in the light of day, it can be unsavory. I mean, that's why they have the phrase how the sausage is made. But, you know, the talk about this email really heightened a sense that this process was coming down to business versus labor. And with your appointment, business won in this instance. What do you make of that framing? And how do you plan to build bridges across the political spectrum while you're in office? Well, um, this last year and a half, I've been out there um, talking to people. I've been on the ground working with my community watch group, tackling issues of public safety, working with our in-house neighbors for about three years now. And my civic involvement experience, I believe, has positioned me uniquely for this position. And so I think we need to really focus on the issues, um, public safety, housing, and homelessness, and try to find out ways where we can collaborate and communicate and work on these major issues going forward. Um, I think there's we're all in this together, the entire city, and every part of the city is affected when it comes to, to public safety. And so really focusing on the issues, really focusing on on the job as a Seattle City Council member and trying to serve everyone in all parts of the city is of paramount importance. And so I think really focusing on the goals and focusing on the purpose is paramount. We talked about public safety. This came up during the campaign as well. You know, even with $30,000 bonuses and this big recruitment push that the mayor has championed, more police officers left Seattle last year than joined SPD. You know, 61 were hired in 2023, 96 separated. That is a slowing of the departures and, you know, an uptick in hiring, but it is not where the city wants to be if, as stated by the council and the mayor, we're going to hire 400 more officers. What do you plan to do as a council member to improve SPD hiring? And I'm curious if at some point, you know, the incentives and the recruitment plan are one thing, but does this have to become a question of department leadership? Oh, I, I think it's it's just setting the tone going forward, um, making sure that we support our officers. I believe that morale is a huge issue, um, in, as, as we've seen in the last couple of years. 
how do we support people and and all city employees so that they feel like they're included, they feel safe, and and going forward, we're not going to cause any division. One of our newsroom colleagues had this question, and so we'll we'll leave it with this. When you're appointed in this kind of process, it's kind of a funny, different uh, way to join the council. And I, you know, noted when you were appointed yesterday, you were kind of like, oh, I, I didn't prepare a speech, and you know, you're just sort of thrown into the position. Um, do you have a party when you win like this way? Like it's not a traditional election, but you were elected by your colleagues. Um, how do you respond? I mean, what have you been doing over the past 24 hours, basically? Oh, my gosh, just, just trying to organize my office and get to work. Um, and it's I, I feel like this last year, um, talking to people and being out there, trying to uh, campaign, it just never ended. And so I'm feeling a little bit of relief, but at the same time, just gratitude and thankfulness for all the support and all the people who showed up and, you know, all the finalists, all eight of us, we all know each other. We've been in community. We've worked on different issues. And I know that going forward that we're going to continue to work together. And so I think the theme is collaboration, it's communication um, and working together in unity. Um, And yes, I I had a little uh, celebration nap (laughs) last night. um, And (laughs) I did uh, take it to work and, and just really focus on these issues going forward. You know, I'm at that age where celebration nap sounds exactly like the best, <laughs> the best thing yeah, right exactly. now. So. Like, oh, I don't need a party. I'm just going to take a nap. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Seattle City Council Member Tanya Wu, thank you very much. And good luck with the 2024. I hope to talk with you soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Soundside. This show is only possible because listeners support us. If you're able to give right now, please check out the show notes for a link to donate. And don't forget, you can listen live on KUOW 94.9 FM Seattle at noon and 8 p.m. Monday through Thursday or anytime online at KUOW.org. Seattle in the 90s. A tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution. Here's a story you haven't heard. Let the Kids Dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of Seattle's teen dance ordinance, the law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. A story of moral panic, grassroots activism, and an unstoppable music community that fought for its freedom. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network.